letter nine of clarissa harlowe volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org clarissa harlowe volume three by samuel richardson letter nine miss clarissa harlowe to miss howe thursday afternoon april thirteenth i am infinitely concerned my ever dear and ever kind friend that i am the sad occasion of the displeasure between your mother and you how many persons have i made unhappy had i not to console myself that my error is not owing to wicked precipitation i should be the most miserable of all creatures as it is i am enough punished in the loss of my character more valuable to me than my life and in the cruel doubts and perplexities which conflicting with my hopes and each getting the victory by turns harrow up my soul between them i think however that you should obey your mother and decline a correspondence with me at least for the present take care how you fall into my error for that begun with carrying on a prohibited correspondence a correspondence which i thought it in my power to discontinue at pleasure my talent is scribbling and i the readier fell into this freedom as i found delight in writing having motives too which i thought laudable and at one time the permission of all my friends to write to him yet as to this correspondence what hurt could arise from it if your mother could be prevailed upon to permit it to be continued so much prudence and discretion as you have and you in writing to me lying under no temptation of following so bad an example as i have set my letters too occasionally filled with self-accusation i thank you my dear most cordially i thank you for your kind offers you may be assured that i will sooner be beholden to you than to anybody living to mr lovelace the last do not therefore think that by declining your favours i have an intention to lay myself under obligations to him i am willing to hope notwithstanding what you write that my friends will send me my little money together with my clothes they are too considerate some of them at least to permit that i should be put to such low difficulties perhaps they will not be in haste to oblige me but if not i cannot yet want i believe you think i must not dispute with mr lovelace the expenses of the road and lodgings till i can get a fixed abode but i hope soon to put an end even to those small sort of obligations small hopes indeed of a reconciliation from your account of my uncle's visit to your mother in order to set her against an almost friendless creature whom once he loved 
but is it not my duty to try for it ought i to widen my error by obstinacy and resentment because of their resentment which must appear reasonable to them as they suppose my flight premeditated and as they are made to believe that i am capable of triumphing in it and over them with the man they hate when i have done all in my power to restore myself to their favour i shall have the less to reproach myself with these considerations make me waver about following your advice in relation to marriage and the rather as he is so full of complaisance with regard to my former conditions which he calls my injunctions nor can i now that my friends as you inform me have so strenuously declared against accepting of the mediation of the ladies of mr lovelace's family put myself into their protection unless i am resolved to give up all hopes of a reconciliation with my own yet if any happy introduction could be thought of to effect this desirable purpose how shall terms be proposed to my father while this man is with me or near me on the other hand should they in his absence get me back by force and this you are of opinion they would attempt to do but in fear of him how will their severest acts of compulsion be justified by my flight from them meanwhile to what censures as you remind me do i expose myself while he and i are together and unmarried yet can i with patience ask the question is it in my power oh my dear miss howe and am i so reduced as that to save the poor remains of my reputation in the world's eye i must watch the gracious motion from this man's lips were my cousin morden in england all might still perhaps be determined happily if no other mediation than this can be procured to set on foot the wished-for reconciliation and if my situation with mr lovelace alter not in the interim i must endeavour to keep myself in a state of independence till he arrive that i may be at liberty to govern myself by his advice and direction i will acquaint you as you desire with all that passes between mr lovelace and me hitherto i have not discovered anything in his behaviour that is very exceptionable yet i cannot say that i think the respect he shows me an easy unrestrained and natural respect although i can hardly tell where the fault is but he has doubtless an arrogant and encroaching spirit nor is he so polite as his education and other advantages might have made one expect him to be he seems in short to be one who has always had too much of his own will to study to accommodate himself to that of others as to the placing of some confidence in him i shall be as ready to take your advice in this particular 
as in all others and as he will be to deserve it but tricked away as i was by him not only against my judgment but my inclination can he or anybody expect that i should immediately treat him with complacence as if i acknowledged obligation to him for carrying me away if i did must he not either think me a vile dissembler before he gained that point or afterwards indeed indeed my dear i could tear my hair on reconsidering what you write as to the probability that the dreaded wednesday was more dreaded than it needed to be to think that i should be thus tricked by this man and that in all likelihood through his vile agent joseph lehman so premeditated and elaborate a wickedness as it must be must i not with such a man be wanting to myself if i were not jealous and vigilant yet what a life to live for a spirit so open and naturally so unsuspicious as mine i am obliged to mr hickman for the assistance he is so kindly ready to give to our correspondence he is so little likely to make to himself an additional merit with the daughter upon it that i shall be very sorry if he risk anything with the mother by it i am now in a state of obligation so must rest satisfied with whatever i cannot help whom have i the power once so precious to me of obliging what i mean my dear is that i ought perhaps to expect that my influences over you are weakened by my indiscretion nevertheless i will not if i can help it desert myself nor give up the privilege you used to allow me of telling you what i think of such parts of your conduct as i may not approve you must permit me therefore severe as your mother is against an undesigning offender to say that i think your liveliness to her inexcusable to pass over for this time what nevertheless concerns me not a little the free treatment you almost indiscriminately give to my relations if you will not for your duty's sake forbear your tauntings and impatience let me beseech you that you will for mine since otherwise your mother may apprehend that my example like a leaven is working itself into the mind of her beloved daughter and may not such an apprehension give her an irreconcilable displeasure against me i enclose the copy of my letter to my sister which you are desirous to see you will observe that although i have not demanded my estate in form and of my trustees yet that i have hinted at leave to retire to it how joyfully would i keep my word if they would accept of the offer i renew it was not proper i believe you will think on many accounts to own that i was carried off against my inclination 
i am my dearest friend your ever obliged and affectionate clarissa harlowe end of letter nine